But we've been gone nine years. I started to joke that we went across town and started the Greater Whitfield Baptist, but some of the some of the newer people might not might believe me, and I don't want to. I don't want to start any rumors, but um, we've been up on the mountain for nine years now, and um, it's been quite an experience um, in a lot of ways. Things are different where we're at. Um, it's hard to explain, but it's, it's like going back in the South 40 years is what it's like. And, um, and a lot of that's good. Some of it's not so good. And um, God's been in it. I believe we've been right in the middle of God's will. It's kind of funny how God does some amazing things. This church, while we were here at Whitfield, they called me out of the blue and said, would you come up and preach on a Sunday morning for us? And I said, sure. And someone that I had not seen in about a dozen years had given them my name and said, you ought to talk to him. And so I, we went up there to preach, but right before we went up there, you know, I was talking to my dad and... Um, I said, you know, I'm going to be preaching on the mountain. And he said, which church? And I said, it's Pleasant Grove Baptist. And he said, you know which church that is, don't you? I said, no. It's, and I knew some of the history, but I had never paid a lot of attention. But it was my dad's first pastorate where my dad met my mom and where my dad and mom were married. So here I am now pastor of the church that was my dad's first pastorate and where he met my mom and where they were married and um, we, we were able to have their 50th anniversary there and that was special um, and so uh, it's just been a lot going on and a lot of good things uh, some heartbreak that comes with dealing with people and fighting the devil and uh, but but God's good through everything, and uh, so I want to lead us in prayer, and um, then uh, uh, I, want to, I want to lead us in prayer, then we'll get started here. Father, please forgive me, each of us. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Help me to say exactly what you want said. Lord, help us to take the Word of God and seal it to our hearts. Claim it and use it, please, in our lives. Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'll just say this, too, by the way. Y'all know Stacy. She's a very good pastor's wife. And she's a good wife and mother already, but she's a good pastor's wife, too. I want to start, but let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to read some verses and emphasize a few things, and then I want to talk to you tonight. It's kind of going to be more of a talk. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. The Bible says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. I want you to notice the word whole the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. 
You know, I was thinking on the way here, if we wrestled against flesh and blood, someone would have shot Satan a long time ago, and he'd be out of our way. We'd, I'd have killed him in a heartbeat. <laughs> you know, I'm sick of him. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand in the, withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. I was, I'm a Baptist, and we, we like this word truth. We really try to be true to the Word of God. Um, one thing we learned while we were here at Whitfield, or I, what I learned is to, I, I preach a lot like Brother Wayne, to be frank, which is um, textual messages. You just go down through and let the Bible preach itself, basically, verse by verse, because that's the tr- best way. Now, there's a time for topical preaching and all, don't get me wrong, but that's the best way to make sure you are true to the Word of God is to let the Word of God preach itself, basically. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. As Baptists, I think we're not too bad with this, although we struggle with it. And this word righteousness here, talking about the breastplate of righteousness, I believe is talking about practical righteousness, not imputed righteousness, because later in the passage it talks about putting on the helmet of salvation. This is talking about practical righteousness and that is something I work very hard at. That's something I struggle with, and we all do. But when I mess up, I take it to the Lord, try to keep my account short, try to get straight things, get things immediately straightened out so I can go on with my Christian life. I really work hard at trying to be, live a righteous life. And I think most of us do. It says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, when you're younger, you worry about what people think, stuff like that. Now, I could care less. I'm a Christian, and if you don't like it, get over it. You know, that's my attitude. I am not ashamed of the gospel. God has opened so many doors. Uh, Company I work for, he's just opened door after door after door for me to witness one day I got a call right before Christmas, and this is a company that has, at that time, uh, five stores from Knoxville down to Cartersville. Now we're owned by a company with 700 stores, and still I have the freedom to witness, and I thank God for that. But the owner of the company back then called me, or his son called me, and he said, my dad said, he needs you to preach. And I said, okay. He, he said, the minister he had lined up to speak at Christmas could not be. He's sick. And he wants you to. And he says, say whatever you want to. I said, okay. <laughs> and God put me in front of probably the, top, the, high, the 60 employees that represented all the management across the board and put me in front of them and allowed me to give the gospel at Christmas with the owner telling me, say whatever God tells you to say. 
and just open the door. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and we're to gird ourselves with, or shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I think the reason he put that your feet is you're to go with the gospel to people. Verse 16, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. We need faith, and I'm going to deal with that here in a little bit, but that's one of the things we need. I'll tell you that if you don't think the devil can shake your faith, you're wrong. If, if John the Baptist can doubt, you can too. And God will shake your faith. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. We seem to have that pretty good with Baptists. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're faithful. We believe the Word. Verse number 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I had not seen this before. Brother Al and I talked the other day after the prayer breakfast, and he said, I had not noticed prayer as being part of the whole armor of God. <clears throat> and by the way, it, it's kind of a funny story. I've learned to see God working. Uh, I called Brother Wayne a couple months ago, I guess, out of the blue, and I said, hey, let's eat lunch. So we sat down to eat lunch, and then, he pulled out his phone, pulled out his calendar. He said, I want you to preach on the, or the men's prayer breakfast the 17th. And I told him, I said, well, we're going to be on vacation. Okay, how about the next month? I said, okay, we'll do it in October. Something told me I was going to be speaking on the 17th. And I thought, I don't know how because we're going to be in Florida. Then about a week and a half later, he had forgotten that he had asked me, and he texted me. He said, can you speak on the 17th? I thought, I am going to be there on the 17th one way or the other. And then Hurricane Irma came through, and I thought, God wants me there on the 17th. And God gave me this message to preach to the men, and then Brother Wayne turned around and asked me, would you say it to the whole church, speak it to the whole church? And I want to deal with this message this morning, if you want to say, leave it there, like the song says. But this subject of prayer being part of the whole armor of God. God has got a hold of me this year and done a mighty work in my life and helped me a lot. The company I work for, I am in technical support in electronics. And so periodically during the year, they'll send me to places to go to school for a week here to learn certain equipment, software, stuff like that. There's a company near Chicago that's a big vendor of ours, and they scheduled me to go to another class. And uh, so I booked my tickets and hotel room and all that stuff. And I got up there and walked into the classroom, and every student had canceled at the last minute except me. I was the only student in the class. So you have two engineers teaching one student. And I thought, that's, something's up. God's got me here for a reason in this room by myself listening to two guys teach. Both of them were Christians. I had met one of them before and gone to church with him. 
up there before. Don't you hate to go to church out when you're out of town and you don't know anybody? Let's just be honest. And uh, so I leaped at the opportunity. I said, Matt, I said, I want to go to church with you again. Okay. But I went there burdened, very burdened. God was working in my heart, and I just, I was discouraged. The devil was fighting in a lot of ways. It seemed every direction I looked, it seemed like the devil had built strongholds in my my personal life, family, church. Every direction I looked, it just seemed like there were strongholds. And you would, you try to talk to people, you preach the Word of God faithfully, and it just seems like nothing affects people sometimes. I heard a older preacher Sunday say, I don't know how to influence people. And it seemed like the devil had some strongholds, some amazing strongholds that he had built, fortresses in and around me, and it seemed like they were just impenetrable. And I was burdened. And to be frank, I don't like the devil winning, and I was tired of seeing him win in areas around me. And I don't know why, I don't know Matt very well, but I felt... You know, you, you te- they teach for a while, and then they say, let's take a break. Your brain can only handle so much. You have to take a break. And during some of the breaks, I just felt led to open up to this guy named Matt. And I told him, and I explained to him what all I was doing to try to f- fix things. And, and I just went on to the pro. I didn't tell him details. You know, by the way, when someone says, I have an unspoken request, that's probably the most important one to pray for. Because there's a lot of things we can't talk about that aren't everybody's business, but they are heavy burdens on our hearts. But I felt led to explain to him how it just seems like the devil had these strongholds that just could not anything happen to him. Or it seemed like nothing would penetrate him. And he sat and he listened for a while, and then all of a sudden he looked at me and he said, can I be direct with you? And I said, sure, I would like you to be. He said, it sounds to me like you're fighting spiritual warfare in the flesh. And the Holy Spirit took a knife and just stuck it and twisted it with those words, and I knew by conviction that he had nailed the nail right on the head. And God started dealing with me and he said, by the way, he said, can we pray for you at church tonight? And I said, I would like that. Well, it was an unusual type of church in this sense that Matt met his wife on a missions trip to South America, married a preacher's daughter in South America in Chile and brought her back to the U.S. And so the church they went to was predominantly Hispanic, and the younger children, English is their first language, and so probably somewhat in the process of changing. And so I went to church with him that night, sat on the pew. The pastor was amazing in his linguistic skills. He just, he didn't use an interpreter. He just said it in Spanish, said it in English, said it in Spanish, said it in English, perfect English, and I'm sure perfect Spanish too. And 
he did a great job in Galatians chapter 6, going down verse by verse and explaining what each one of those meant. And he preached for an hour. Then when he got done, a man went up and got on the organ and just started playing quietly. There's a keyboard that played it like an organ. Just started playing quietly. And one by one, each of these Spanish people would come up and they would stand in front of a microphone right down here. And they would tell what was on their heart. And then they would lead the congregation in prayer and then they would go sit down. And one by one, they would come up, tell their request, and sit down. And the whole church would pray with them. And we prayed for another hour after preaching for an hour, which was great. I just sat there. I didn't know what they were saying. I couldn't understand. I don't speak Spanish. And I listened to them. And then at the end, a man stood up and he said, we have a Mr. Roger here. And I, and I thought that was kind of funny, Mr. Roger. But he said, we have a Mr. Roger here. And he said, we need to pray with him. And he brought me up there and he said, tell us what, how we need to pray. And I just said, it just seems like the devil... And they, would, they interpreted it for me. I said, it just seems like the devil has got strongholds and I need God to do something because it's going to take God to fix some things. And they started, they gathered around me right down here and started praying. This little older Spanish lady, short Spanish lady, come up. In the middle of prayer, I had my head bowed, and all of a sudden, she walked up right up here. She could probably come up to here, and she stuck her hands up and put her fingers on my temple. And she started calling out to God and praying with earnest. She, every time she'd pray, she'd push on my temples, you know. <clears throat> and she was giving it to God hard, harder than I pray. And she was just calling out to God, and they were all praying with us. And you could just sense the Spirit of God moving. And um, we got done. I thanked them for praying with me. Went and talked to Matt a few minutes and the pastor, and then I went and got my rental car and went back to the hotel. When you go out of town and travel, you know how it is. You, you go back to a hotel room, watch Duck Dynasty or something like that, you know. But... But I call my wife in the morning before I go to these classes, and then I'll call my wife in the evening, and we'll talk a little bit. And uh, went home, and then on Thursday I was talking to my wife, and I think it was Thursday or it was Friday. My wife says, you're not going to believe what happened. And she started describing how God was breaking a stronghold. It was like God went in there with a wrecking hammer and shattered some things that it just seemed like no matter how hard we prayed, nothing would move this. And God in one swoop just went in and just smashed. You pray against influences and pray against people sometimes. I'm sorry, but sometimes you need to pray against people that choose to do the work of the devil. God went in and just smashed some things. And we were just sitting there going, wow, thank you, Lord. Come back to work, 
first part of the week, a guy walks in my office I work with. He sits down. He said, I've got an idea. I said, okay. He said, I saw some men on the side of the road praying outside of work before they went to work. And I said, yeah. He said, we need to do that here. I said, works for me. He said, we need to use your office. I said, okay, we'll use my office. And he went around and got people at work to commit to coming and praying. We've been having prayer meeting every morning since then. One day my boss came in. He saw I was in the building early. He came in, sat down, and was telling me what all we had to get done that day and this and this and this and this. After a while, he turned around. He said, I have a question. I said, well, he said, men keep walking in your office. When they see me, they keep walking back out. I said, we're having prayer meeting here in the morning. When they see you in here, they realize we can't have prayer meeting because you're discussing business. I said, we pray for you that you'll make good decisions. We pray for the owners of this company. We pray for our salesmen. We pray for our inside people. We pray for our warehouse and drivers so that we can provide for our family. And I said, we pray for other things too. He said, good, we need that. Got up and walked out of my office. And we've been praying And we've been seeing results. And I've been amazed at what God's been doing. There's things that I'm just, I can't talk to you about because they're deep and personal, but I've seen what God is doing. And I can promise you, He is doing major work in our lives. And we learn, we're learning to default instead of trying to influence people. We're learning to default to take those people and those things and those problems and those issues to God first. I don't think God likes being second. In fact, I know he doesn't. And God unveiled a weakness in my life. I don't think I was praying with a lot of faith but I am now. I'll give you some examples. You know, isn't it amazing how new Christians pray with more faith than older Christians sometimes? We got a couple in our church uh, baptized. They were saved before they came to started coming to our church, but they had never been discipled. And they started coming to our church and fell in love with us, and we fell in love with them. And They were talking about being a part of us and found out they weren't baptized, so I baptized them. Both their children have been saved. By the way, we're a small church, and it's hard sometimes to do things like VBS. So our church just pays for all of our young people to go to camp every year. And we've got a camp. It's pretty cool (laughs) on the mountain. It's called Ponderosa Bible Camp. And... um, it's rather expensive, to be honest. We sent two teenagers this year, 700 and something dollars a piece, plus some children. But it seems like when we send our kids there and they get there and they're there a week, away from TV, away from influences, and under the Word of God several times a day, and both their children have been saved since they started coming through the camp ministry. And Sherilyn's 
mom has diabetes and they had to amputate a leg this year. And, you know, I, I swear I don't have enough faith. I, it, it's a struggle. But they, they come to me and they said, you know, we've got to have a whole house full of equipment now for someone that's missing an, a, a limb. And they said, you know how poor our parents are? I, by the way, I'll just tell you this. Things are so different on the mountain. I heard two different men at two different times talking amongst themselves, and they said, you know, there's some people down in the valley, they make over 25000 a year. And I'm thinking, if you work at McDonald's full-time, you'll make 25000 a year. But they live on that. They live differently than we do. They help each other out and things like that. But they said, you know, our parents don't have money to buy hospital equipment. But they went and sat down with their children in faith and said, Grandma needs some equipment. And they started praying and saying, God, what do we do? We don't have any money. What do we do? We've got, we need to do something. We need you to do something. A cousin called them a few days later and said, um, I'm remodeling a house. The previous owner was handicapped. And the guy that's bought the house to remodel it told me get all that stuff out of that. Said, you know anybody that needs that? <laughs> God gave him a 40-foot ramp, an adjustable bed, one of those seats that lifts you up and down, stuff to go in the shower to take a shower safely, all in one fell swoop. I mean, wheelchair, the whole nine yards, just, here it is. I've been amazed, and, and my faith is growing, because God sent me up and let some little Spanish woman teach me how to pray. I told the men... I told the men I'm ashamed because I grew up in the home of a preacher. I was born on the mission field, raised on the mission field. When I was growing up, church was like the book of Acts. My dad baptized one year. He baptized every Sunday for over a year. People getting saved left and right. But I didn't get everything. I'm 53 years old, and I feel like... I've been running around with part of the armor of God missing, wondering why I struggle in defeating the devil in my life in certain areas and in and, and, and my ministry and in family and all these things. And I'm learning to pray in faith. And I'm seeing results. My wife has always been a better prayer warrior than I have. That's just being honest. In some ways, I guess I have been stronger. In some ways, she's been stronger, but definitely in the area of prayer. One day, a guy she worked for, unsaved man, somehow got involved in a conversation, and he told him, he said, y'all need to get Stacy to pray for you because when she prays, stuff happens. I want to operate completely with the power of God 
being used in and around me where I can see it, where I can see results. And I'm, I'm tired of being anemic and weak and strong in some areas and weak in others. And one of the things God's taught me this year and is teaching me is how to pray and get results. And there's, amaz- there's funny things that happen that some of them I can tell you about. I have a penchant for getting poison oak, I reckon. And when I get it, my body doesn't get rid of it very well at all. And twice this year, I've had poison oak for weeks at a time. And I'm taking Benadryl at night and putting Benadryl cream on it and doing all the stuff you're supposed to do. And after you've had it for several weeks, you just get tired of it. And, you know, I've prayed to God, I need help. And I, it took twice. This, I'm, a, I'm a slow learner. It took twice for this to happen. But I believe with all my heart this is what happened. Twice, I've had poison oak for several weeks, and I've taken it to the Lord. Twice, I've been stung by wasps. And within a day of being stung, it all goes away. I honestly think that what happens, and I'm not a doctor, I know that, but I think your body revs up to fight off the, big, the wasp sting, and whatever it does to rev up, it goes ahead and gets rid of my poison oak. And I got to thinking, if God can talk through a donkey, he can heal through a wasp. <laughs> well, it's happened twice this year, and within a, after weeks of having it and not being able to get rid of it, and within a day, it's gone from getting a wasp thing. The last time it stung me in the elbow, my arm swelled up, and I told Stacy, I said, you better get my picture now. <laughs> I want to challenge you on several fronts tonight, and this, this is one challenge, and that is this. Why are we so, why do we struggle claiming the things that the Bible says about prayer? The Bible says, An effect, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. He told us that we could move mountains if we had that kind of faith. He tells us to bring stuff to him over and over. He tells us to pray without wavering because the one that wavers doesn't get anything from the Lord. Somewhere we've got to cross that line. And I think I'm speaking right on the head because I've been a Baptist my whole life and I think we struggle in this area. Maybe some others do better in this area and we do better in some areas. I struggled and I'm... I'm learning a lot this year, and I'm seeing God work, and I'm seeing what God's doing in my life. And I told the men at the prayer breakfast, I said, I'm ashamed that I'm 53 years old. I was saved when I was four years old. We've been to the mission field. I've been pastoring on the mountain for nine years, and I'm just now figuring some stuff out about prayer. But I would like to challenge you with some thoughts. Number one is this stuff works. I'm serious. Take stuff. Don't you think God gets tired of being asked to help us? Help. He don't need to help us. I just need him to fix it. You know, I don't 
take my car to the mechanic and say, now I need you to help me with my car. I take my car there and I stick it there and I say, fix it. You handle this. I think God wants us to do that. Instead of saying, God, help me with this problem. Don't help me with this problem. Fix my problem. I'm tired of it. Another thought I want to leave with you is this. The devil may get his stronghold smashed, but he starts rebuilding immediately. What are they doing in Florida right now? Storm came through, knocked stuff down. What are they doing? Putting it back up. What do you think the devil is going to do when God smashes a stronghold? He's going to start laying brick and mortar again and start building it back. That's one thing, Stacy and I have noticed is we see God going smash, we turn around and look at each other and, really, that's back again? Because the devil wants, a strong, wants strongholds in our lives. And he's going to try to rebuild in the same place over and over because he knows what works. You don't think the devil will hit you in the same place over and over that he knows you're weak in? And he'll build that. He may, he may not be happy that God came through and smashed the stronghold, but it's not going to stop him from trying to put it back up. Here in Ephesians chapter 6, it says this, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. That means you've got to keep knocking, praying, and taking the stronghold back to God over and over and over. I don't know if it gets easier. I don't know if the devil after a while gets tired of rebuilding the same stronghold and goes somewhere else. I don't know by experience yet, but I do know this, that you will see God take strongholds out, and you'll see the devil come right back again trying to put those things back up. My thought, and I'm not going to try to read it tonight because of time, but in Job chapter 1, the devil went to the Lord and said, and God said, where have you been? He said, running to and fro in the earth. God said, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, let me do this to him. God says, go ahead. He'll curse your name, and he comes back. Where have you been, Satan? And each time, it's deeper and harder. Finally, Satan says, let me touch his body. I'll make him sick. I'll cover him with boils, and he'll curse your name. And God allowed this because Satan keeps coming back over and over and over. And you need to realize that the devil will start to rebuild immediately, just like they're doing in Florida. The second thing I want you to see is this, that your faith will grow with results. Mark chapter 9 and verse 24. Turn there with me if you would. Mark chapter 9, verse 24. The Bible says, And straightway the father of the child cried out, cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. He was asking for a miracle. Jesus said, you have to believe. And he says, I believe, but I need you to help me with my unbelief. That's where we are, folks. But when you start seeing God open doors, smash strongholds, create opportunities, provide, 
bring in what seems impossible. Your faith will grow. My faith will grow. I heard one preacher said, and I'm not there yet. One preacher said, right now, he said, I just have so much faith in God right now, he said, I feel like I could swing over hell on a sewing thread and put it out with a squirt gun. I hadn't reached that point yet. But I can tell you my faith is growing through prayer and answers from God that I'm seeing. That doesn't mean God gives us everything we want. And God doesn't go override other people's will. A person has to choose God, and he's not going to go out there and just force the people you love to get saved and everything else. But I promise you, he will make life miserable for them, and he will change things in their lives, and he will affect things to bring people to a point of change. Prayer works. I remember when we were in Okinawa when I was growing up. This man's a pastor in Alabama now. He had a praying grandmother. He was unsaved. Joined the Marine Corps. Got done with boot camp. And they said, where do you want to go? And he he said, this was literally my thought process. I want to go as far away from God as I can. Sounded like Jonah. And he looked on an island called Okinawa. And he pointed at it. And he said, there's a base there. I want to go there. He flew in on a plane, got off the plane, walked out in front of the airport, and a church bus drove by in front of him. And he said, oh, no. He said, literally, I said, oh, no, they're here too. Walked, they assigned him a room in the barracks. He sat down. That was a church bus from our church. Sat down, introduced himself to his roommate, and his roommate was a Christian and went to that same church. But see, he had a praying grandmother who would not give up. And he testifies to this day. He ended up getting saved, called to preach, and now he's a pastor in Alabama. But prayer works, folks, and it will build your faith. And the next thing I want you to see is this. It will help you in this area of righteous living. I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. First Peter chapter three and verse seven. The Bible says this Likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. See, one of the principles in the Bible is this, that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And you can go to 1 Peter 3, 7 here and realize this, that the Bible, you can paraphrase it this way. The passage is talking about how Abraham treated Sarah, and it's a compliment to Abraham and the way he treated his wife. You can sum this up this way. If 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 you're treating your wife wrong, your prayers will be hindered. If you're treating others wrong, if there's sin in you, Here's what happens when you start seeing God do mighty things through prayer. 
You don't hold grudges against people because your prayers don't get answered and you want to see your prayers answered. This will prompt and affect, this will give you incentive to keep your account short and get sin out of your life. It really will. I have found myself on my, I, I like to pray on my way to work. I found myself, you start to pray and the Holy Spirit reminds you, you got to get stuff right. That may mean calling people. But folks, we, we cannot go around doing wrong and having prayers answered. That's scriptural. It will help you. It will affect you. It will... It will help you live righteously and holy because you know I better not let go of that. I better not do that. I better make that right. I better fix that with God and others because if not, the devil's going to have the upper hand and the devil's going to be beating things, winning battles in my life. It will help you in that way. I had forgotten I'd said it, but Randy and I were talking before church, and he said the thing that stuck out the other day when you said was, I was tired of losing. And I was. But I like victory. Stacy and I did something interesting this past weekend. We went camping by ourselves, which is not something that I'm trying to think if we've ever done that before. Our kids now, Katie's 22. Andrew's 26, and we needed a few days off, and I got my dad to preach for me last Sunday, and we went up to Crossville, Tennessee. And usually, and when we're out of town, what we'll do is we'll try to look up a good, and find a good church, or try to find a church, and hopefully it's a good one to go to. And one thing that preachers like is this, to go somewhere else and not tell any, I don't like telling anybody I'm a preacher, because I want to sit down, and listen to what God says through somebody else. And I don't want them to know I'm a preacher. I'm afraid that it might affect them. And plus, I just, I'm not ashamed of being a preacher. But I, sometimes you just kind of want to go incognito. And we got up to Crossville, and anytime you go camping, they'll tell you all the rules. You know, no alcohol, no this, you know. It got to be quiet after 10 o'clock, and then they said, and church begins at 9 o'clock on Sunday, which was kind of a, a little bit different because a lot of times they'll have a, some campgrounds will have a devotional or something under a, in a pavilion or something like that, and they said, it'll be at the chapel. And we got ready to leave. They said, drive by the chapel. Went by, there's a full-blown church building right in the middle of this campground. Well, that's interesting. And we decided we're going to go there. Nine about quarter to nine, we show up, and we're sitting there, and they're talking to us, and they start talking to us, and part of this campground has permanent residence in it, and they said, we wanted our own church, so we went to the owner of the campground and said, we want our own church. Can we build our own church? She said, sure. They raised their own money, bought their own material, built it themselves, and we're sitting there in a nice, nice auditorium, beautiful, sitting there. And me of little faith again, I told Stacy, I said, well, it might, might not be that many people here. Next thing you know, golf carts start coming from every direction. Kids start riding up on bicycles. 
They have built this building called a Baptist preacher from Murfreesboro and built a church in the middle of this campground, averaging 58. They have children's church the whole nine yards, right in the middle of the campground. Because someone, you know, don't you want to be victorious? We had such a blessing because I'm sitting there thinking, you ever think you could start a church in the middle of a campground? If God wants you to, you can. God is powerful. God can win these battles. God can do these things. We were so blessed. The preacher preached a great message. The people were very gracious. It was, it, I enjoyed watching the children come up on bicycles. I thought that was pretty cool. Ride up to church on your bicycle, park your bike, put the kickstand down, go into children's church. I thought that was slick. Like Tom Sawyer or something. We come out of there after church and went back to the camper, and then we decided to go for a walk. And one of them boys we, that we saw at church was out there fishing. I thought, this is like Tom Sawyer. He's out there fishing in the lake. And, um, but I, I thought, these people are living a victorious life. If you'd be, well, you can't build a church in a campground. They did. God told them to. They did. Called a preacher and God's blessing. Who'd have thought? You'd be averaging 58 in the middle of a campground. I want to be on the winning side. And I am on the winning side because God is going to win this thing, but I want to start seeing the victories now. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven to see God doing mighty things in and around me. And I just want to start by first of all saying this. I'm ashamed that I'm this old before I'm learning some of this, but I'm excited because I'm seeing things and I'm learning stuff that I have not known before. And I'm also just excited to see what God is and just to be, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. My faith is growing. God's helping me in so many areas of my life. I know it affects how I work with other people. I know it affects how I pastor the church. Because if I don't have the faith, if I'm not, if I'm not victorious as a pastor, the church is not going to be. God has done a mighty work in my heart this year. But in order to do it, he sent me to a class where I was by myself in front of two Christian instructors and sent me to a Spanish church, and he taught me. I thought, God, God put me in that unusual circumstance to teach me some things, and I'm just, I'm just thrilled that God's doing these things. Father, please forgive us for our lack of faith in prayer and for us bringing things to you and asking little things from you. Lord, we want big things from you, but we don't want to be in the way. We want you just to step through and do things for us. We want to take things to you and hand them off to you. We want to bring our burden to the Lord and leave it there, Lord. Help us to learn to do that. Help us to grow. Help us to grow, 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 and learn, learn, learn and change us, and use us through prayer, we pray.